Tariffs are basically taxes on imports, but they vary hugely from one product to another, can vary according to how much crosses the border every year, and change once again if there are any doubts about whether something is actually produced in a country. So, for instance, are they just imports from another country, with a new label added to make them look British? It all sounds very complicated, so to take us through the labyrinth of new laws, I am with Seamus Nevin, Chief Economist at Make UK. Let's start with tariffs. How will they change for business when we leave the EU? The question of tariffs is is uh, quite complex in that one of the first challenges is that most of our companies have never had to deal with this sort of thing before. So they might be exporting to the rest of the European Union, but in that case they're not paying tariffs and therefore it's not something that they've ever had to deal with. So just getting your head around the paperwork that's involved, how do you go about figuring out what it is you're meant to pay, and making sure that you're pricing that into your contract so that when you're signing deals with other companies you're remembering that tariffs might be an extra cost that one or both parties has to pay and, and where uh, uh, that responsibility will lie is something that is proving a challenge for companies that are just doing this for the first time um, and they, they sometimes need a little bit of help and support. But alongside that, there's the other aspect of it's not only about the tariffs you're paying, but also mapping the goods that you uh, produce, where they come from, etc., for, for rules of origin, just to work out where the liability lies. So what exactly is it that I'm uh, importing or exporting and where, uh, in terms of these tariffs, is it defined as coming from? Because that will determine the, the tariff rate that it pays. What are rules of origin and why on earth do they matter about tariffs? Um, in layman's terms, and to put it as simply as I can, rules of origins is, 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 are the, the various set of rules that try to work out what percentage of a product comes from where, and therefore to determine which tariffs it pays. Uh, you have to pay for, for that product. So if most of the good comes from outside of the European Union and you're importing into the European Union, you will therefore have to pay tariffs, whereas if because of the integrated nature of global supply chains, actually the bulk of the product comes from within the UK, and you're a member of the European Union, then you won't have to pay those tariffs. So it's just working out what percentage of it comes from where, and therefore what tariffs go alongside that. Okay, so let's let's have the simplest possible one. If you make axes, and the handle is made in the UK, and the axe head is made in the UK, and you put the two together in the UK, then there are no tariffs into the EU at the moment. If, however, you import a handle and a, a head of an axe and just knock them together in the UK, it's different. Absolutely, yeah. And, and if you import those from, say, the United States or from China, then the chances are you're probably having to pay tariffs because those are the, the way the, the, the trade deals work within the European Union. It depends on which countries they come from. And that was designed to stop exactly that happening. Making something in Japan and then setting up a small factory in the UK where you just put the final assembly together and claiming it's a British good. Yeah, and, and stamp on, say, made in Britain as if it was, when in fact it isn't and, and Britain doesn't necessarily benefit from that. There's there, there, not a huge amount of uh, em, employees in the UK or, or taxes being paid, but also it's a way of circumventing taxes, or it would be if that was the case. So it's, it's a protection measure uh, to ensure that the, the right tariffs are paid so that there's no uh, undercutting of, of businesses who here who are legitimately producing within the UK, having to pay the, the labour costs that the UK would pay, having to go along with all of those employment rights, etc., and paying the higher input costs of, of, of sourcing the goods, whereas in other countries where they don't necessarily have to pay those kinds of, of charges, um, they might be able to produce at a much cheaper rate. But if they're then able to circumvent the, the tariffs, then that's going to destroy uh, native businesses in this country or, or within the European Union as well. And that could be a big problem for British, quite a few British industries, because the rules of origin, I mean, it's quite a high percentage you actually have to do in the UK if you want to claim it's a UK good. Absolutely. And I think the other side of this is where we sit as a manufacturing economy, 
we are still the ninth largest manufacturing country in the world in spite of the popular sense that we don't really make things anymore. But where we sit in terms of global supply chains is roughly around the middle. So we take component parts from other countries, we repurpose them, we add them into to new products, and then we export them uh, elsewhere as well so that they end up in a, uh, being put into a finished good in a third country. And, and what that means is actually about half of what we export, we first import. So working out the rules of origins, by and large, for UK-produced goods is quite complex because there's an awful lot of stuff that we import, but we equally then re-export as well. So what would happen if we left the EU, um, we have to pay tariffs on goods that... Uh, made here and go into the EU. And the EU says, well, that's not really made in the UK, that's just you know, imported parts that are just knocked together. What difference will that make? Well, it depends on what the product is and how big that tariff will be. So in certain cases, um, for example, certain component parts in the automotive sector, the tariff can be up to 52%. So that's quite extortionate. And what that means in practice is that a lot of those products, it won't really be economically viable to produce them here uh, going forward. In other uh, examples, tariffs can be quite low, and it's really very minimal. A lot of the, the tariffs on uh, products that are produced for the aviation sector for airplanes are 1%, 2%. That is a cost that businesses will be able to take on and, and carry on as normal or roughly as normal. So it really depends on where they are. In some cases, it might lead to companies relocating either in part or in whole to other parts of the EU. In other cases, it might actually lead to c companies investing more in, in new ways, producing extra goods that they mightn't have produced here before because actually the tariffs aren't so, so great. So it really depends. And what sectors um, are traditionally um, suffering from high tariffs when they're trying to sell into the EU? I know food in particular is one, but there must be quite a few others as well. Food is a big one because it's uh, the, 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 the European um, uh, farming lobby is, is quite influential and is uh, the, the, the foundation of an awful lot of what the EU has done in terms of its business policy, uh, and they want to protect that market understandably. Uh, automotive is another big one, as I mentioned. Um, some of the input component parts can uh, be, be suffer from very, very high uh, tariff rates. Um, Media and, and, and uh, production for um, uh, things like music, for films, um, uh, for online uh, can be quite expensive as well, depending on, on where you are in terms of what you're producing because of cultural protections that the EU has implemented. Um, at the same time, there are other areas where really the tariffs aren't that great. So uh, aviation is protected by international treaties, um, by and large, so there are only certain parts of that that will suffer from new tariffs. Uh, in, in, in the event of a, a, a no-deal Brexit um, or, or a deal not being uh, sustained. One of the big uh, sectors that's going to be influenced by this in the UK is the steel sector. So we've seen the steel sector really struggling this year for various reasons, uh, some of which are, are domestic-related. Uh, but one of the big concerns for that sector is that if there are tariffs brought in on UK steel when, when we export, we have actually sold off what are called a quota. So the quota is the proportion of goods that you can sell on a particular tariff before a higher rate of tariff kicks in. And because we were a member of the European Union, we didn't need those quotas to begin with because we weren't paying tariffs. So companies often sold off their right to sell a proportion of their goods on a lesser tariff. And now, if we are to leave and if they are to have to pay tariffs in future, those quotas will no longer apply. So they will have to, from, from the very first day, for all of the goods that they export, have to pay that, that higher tariff. And that could be quite expensive for a lot of those firms. Do you get the feeling that firms have actually done enough research into this and know, know what's likely to happen? 
Some firms are very prepared, but again, a lot of this comes down to the size of the business and the capacity that they have for dealing with this sort of stuff. So bigger firms naturally have more people, they have more expertise, they might be more experienced in, in dealing with this sort of stuff, and therefore they're a little bit better prepared. For smaller firms, for medium-sized companies, particularly those that might export already, but only export to the European Union where you don't have to deal with this sort of stuff, getting their head around this is something that some of them have found quite challenging. Some of the, the companies that I speak to um, at Make UK are relatively well prepared, but it is often the case that because of the complexity of Brexit and because of all of these new pieces of legislation that are likely to kick in and the extra uh, costs um, uh, that that will mean both in terms of time and money and paperwork, um, there may be one or two bits that, that firms miss out on and, and it's just trying to make sure that they are fully aware of all of the implications that they have. So as a, a business representative group, we speak to our members quite regularly. We have uh, a tool on our website um, uh, at Make UK that allows members to uh, to work out what tariffs they're likely to pay, what regulations they need to prepare for. It's quite a cheap uh, product for them to avail of, but it means that they can be as best prepared as is reasonable to expect. And does that also affect imports, people who are going to import from the EU? At the moment, there's no tariffs on that either, so it works both ways. It does, yeah, and it's, it's again, one of the big concerns that we've seen over the, the last couple of years is the drop in export demand uh, for UK-produced goods. So we've seen customers in other countries moving uh, their supply chains away from the UK because of the concern that they might have to pay tariffs if they were buying stuff from the UK, and that's not something they want to do. Um, so if that is the case, uh, some businesses here are looking to say, well, okay, if you continue to buy our goods, we will pay the cost of those tariffs that you would otherwise have to pay for importing our goods to your country. Um, but that's not f uh, viable or feasible for every uh, business. So where it's possible, uh, firms are doing so, but in a lot of cases, they're just not able to. And is this one of the reasons why we've seen Japanese firms? There seems to be a, a, quite a trend, a drip-drip of Japanese firms relocating, not investing here, moving some of their production. What's going on? Well, essentially, the bulk of the UK's trade outside of the European Union is done under the terms and conditions of EU free trade agreements. So the EU has negotiated a, a complementary package uh, to do business with these countries. Um, by virtue of, of our membership of the European Union, businesses in the UK are able to sell their, their export goods to those markets. And it can be markets as far away, as you said, as Japan or Korea or elsewhere. Um, but the downside of leaving the European Union is that those companies and that those customers know that they get those goods via the benefits of EU free trade agreements. And until there is a new free trade agreement agreed between the UK and their, those respective countries, uh, they're concerned about potentially extra costs that they might have to pay, extra paperwork. Will those goods still meet the regulatory requirements uh, to be ad uh, admitted in via the ports um, into those countries when they are exported, or will they be held up uh, on, on freight in ships in ports because they're not going to be allowed off? Um, and until there is clarity on that, companies and countries um, that have historically done business with us are finding it much uh, more difficult to do so because they are concerned about signing new deals. So they're looking to, to move their business elsewhere. And we have seen that across the board, not just with Japanese firms, but with indeed European companies moving some of their staff, moving some of their production uh, lines elsewhere within the uh, European Union or indeed because of 
new deals that the EU has done with the likes of Japan, moving uh, their production back to their home country, uh, but ultimately away from the UK. And that's not something we want to see continuing because we are a global trading nation. We are a fantastic manufacturing nation with a long history of producing some of the best quality goods in the world at very competitive prices. And we want to make sure that that continues and that that message that Britain is open for business uh, gets out there no matter what happens on the Brexit front. We are still here. We are still doing business. And just finally, what do you think the government should be doing to address this problem? Well, I think the, the, the first and foremost solution to all of this is just to provide certainty. So that means getting a good deal with the European Union and leaving it in an orderly fashion. What businesses are absolutely adamant is that we need certainty, but not at the cost of crashing out, because there is a misperception that leaving the EU without a deal will at least provide the certainty that now we know we are out, we can get on with things. But actually, that isn't the case for most manufacturers. It just creates a whole lot of other questions around future trade deals, around the tariffs and regulations that they're going to have to comply with. So we want to support the government in making sure that we leave the European Union in an orderly fashion with a good deal that provides the certainty for businesses to get back into investing, back into signing new deals with customers overseas, and back getting those companies and those businesses in other countries to start reinvesting in the UK and in our long-term future. That was Seamus Nevin, Chief Economist at Make UK, and the Brexit toolkit he mentioned is available on Make UK's website. It's easy to use and delivers a report to help companies plan the cost of trading with the EU after Brexit. You can also check the WTO tariff rate on your products, along with the UK's own no-deal tariffs. And a new migration section will help you future-proof your workforce against new legislation and settlement rules. This has been Made in Britain with me, Jonty Bloom. Thank you for listening.